Indefinite imprisonment. Indefinite imprisonment or indeterminate imprisonment is the imposition of a sentence by imprisonment with no definite period of time set during sentencing. It was imposed by certain nations in the past, before the drafting of the United Nations Convention Against Torture, CAT. The length of an indefinite imprisonment was determined during imprisonment based on the inmate's conduct. The inmate could have been returned to society or be kept in prison for life. In theory, an indefinite prison sentence could be very short, or it could be a life sentence if no decision is made after sentencing to lift the term. In many cases, either a minimum term is imposed or the maximum that can be served is the maximum allowable by law in the jurisdiction for the particular offense. Rationale The main reason for imposing indefinite, as opposed to fixed, sentences is to protect the community. An offender can then be kept behind bars until it is determined the offender would not pose any danger to society. In some places, indefinite sentences have been around for a long time. In other jurisdictions, they have been introduced more recently. United States. Some U.S. states have various forms of indefinite sentencing, and many have effective indeterminate sentencing with evaluation-based parole. The U.S. federal prison system does not allow parole for any crimes committed after 1987. Therefore, a sentence of life imprisonment means that the prisoner will be incarcerated for life without parole. Indeterminate sentencing existed in every U.S. state from the 1930s to the mid-1970s. The Model Penal Code, developed in the 1950s, focused on offenders' treatment needs rather than on retribution. Generous amounts of good conduct time could be awarded by prison officials. By the mid-1970s, indeterminate sentencing was under attack as arguments were made that racial and other invidious biases influenced officials, that rehabilitative treatment programs were ineffective, and that broad, Standardless discretion denied constitutional due process and permitted undue leniency that undermined the deterrent effects of sanctions. Federal supervised release is also sometimes cited as an example of indeterminate sentencing. Canada. In Canada, an inmate classified as a dangerous offender can be given an indefinite prison sentence. That means the offender is at risk for causing a serious personal injury. United Kingdom. England and Wales. Imprisonment for public protection was a form of indefinite sentence that was used in England and Wales from 2005 until 2012, in addition to the traditional life sentence. The imprisonment for public protection sentence was abolished in 2012, but offenders already serving that sentence remained in prison. Three Strikes Law In the United States, habitual offender laws, commonly referred to as Three Strikes Laws, have been implemented since at least 1952, and are part of the United States Justice Department's anti-violence strategy. These laws require a person who is convicted of an offense and who has one or two other previous serious convictions to serve a mandatory life sentence in prison, with or without parole depending on the jurisdiction. The purpose of the laws is to drastically increase the punishment of those who continue to commit offenses after being convicted of one or two serious crimes. 28 states have some form of a three-strikes law. A person accused under such laws is referred to in a few states, notably Connecticut and Kansas, as a persistent offender, while Missouri uses the unique term prior and persistent offender. In most jurisdictions, only crimes at the felony level qualify as serious offenses. And it may turn on which felonies are defined as being serious, which may vary depending on the jurisdiction, in particular, whether a subject felony must include violence or not. The three strikes law significantly increases the prison sentences of persons convicted of a felony who have been previously convicted of two or more violent crimes or serious felonies, 
and limits the ability of these offenders to receive a punishment other than a life sentence. The expression three strikes and you are out is derived from baseball, where a batter against whom three strikes are recorded strikes out. The following states have enacted three strikes laws. New York has employed a habitual felon statute since 1797. North Carolina has had a law dealing with habitual felons since 1967, but the law was amended in 1994 and now means that a third conviction for any violent felony, which includes any Class A, B, C, D or E felony, will result in a mandatory sentence of life imprisonment without parole. Maryland has had a habitual felon statute for violent offenders since 1975. The law was amended in 1994, meaning that a fourth conviction for a crime of violence mandates a sentence of life imprisonment without parole. Alabama has had a habitual felon statute for serious and violent felons since 1977, providing for up to life imprisonment, and includes a mandatory life sentence without parole for three or more felony convictions for any crime and one of those convictions were for any offense classified as a Class A felony, 10 to 99 years or life. Delaware has had a three-strikes law providing up to life imprisonment for serious felonies since 1973, when the Delaware Criminal Code, contained under Part 1, Title 11 of the Delaware Code, became effective. Texas has had a three-strikes law with mandatory life sentences since at least 1952. In Rummel v. Estelle, 1980, the U.S. Supreme Court upheld Texas's statute, which arose from a case involving a refusal to repay $120.75 paid for air conditioning repair that was, depending on the source cited, either considered unsatisfactory or not performed at all, where the defendant had been convicted of two prior felony convictions, and where the total amount involved from all three felonies was around $230. In 1993, Washington. In 1994, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Kansas, Maryland, New Mexico, North Carolina, Virginia, Louisiana, Wisconsin, and Tennessee. Tennessee is one of the few states, together with Georgia and South Carolina, that mandates life without parole for two or more convictions for the most serious violent crimes, including murder, rape, aggravated cases of robbery, sexual abuse or child sexual abuse, etc. California's original Proposition 184 was later modified by 2012 California Proposition 36. In 2003, a sentence under the law was upheld in Ewing v. California. In 1995, Arkansas, Florida, Montana, Nevada, New Jersey, North Dakota, Pennsylvania, Utah, Georgia, and Vermont. Georgia has a two-strikes law, also known as the Seven Deadly Sins Law, which mandates a sentence of life imprisonment without parole for two or more convictions of murder, rape, armed robbery, kidnapping, aggravated sexual battery, aggravated sodomy, or aggravated child molestation or any combination of those offenses. In 1996, South Carolina. South Carolina also has a two-strikes law for crimes known as a most serious offense, which are crimes like murder, rape, attempted murder, armed robbery, etc. Whereas, the three-strikes law applies to serious offenses which are many drug offenses, other violent crimes like burglary, robbery, arson, etc. and even serious nonviolent crimes like insurance fraud, forgery, counterfeit, etc. Two convictions or three convictions under these provisions or any combination of these will automatically result in a sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole. The South Carolina two-strikes law is similar to Georgia's seven deadly sins law. In 2006, Arizona. In 2012, Massachusetts. Georgia, 
South Carolina and Tennessee are the only states in the United States to date that have two strikes laws for the most serious violent crimes, such as murder, rape, serious cases of robbery, etc., and they all mandate a sentence of life imprisonment without parole for a conviction of any such crimes a second time around. Application The exact application of the three strikes laws varies considerably from state to state, but the laws call for life sentences for at least 25 years on their third strike. In the state of Maryland, any person who receives their fourth strike for any crime of violence will automatically be sentenced to life imprisonment without parole. Most states require one or more of the three felony convictions to be for violent crimes in order for the mandatory sentence to be pronounced. Crimes that fall under the category of violent include murder, kidnapping, sexual abuse, rape, aggravated robbery, and aggravated assault. Some states include additional, lesser offenses that one would not normally see as violent. For example, the list of crimes that count as serious or violent in the state of California is much longer than that of other states, and consists of many lesser offenses that include, firearm violations, burglary, simple robbery, arson, and providing hard drugs to a minor, and drug possession. As another example, Texas does not require any of the three felony convictions to be violent, but specifically excludes certain state jail felonies from being counted for enhancement purposes. One application of a three-strikes law was the Leonardo Andrade case in California in 2009. In this case, Leandro Andrade attempted to rob $153 in videotapes from two San Bernardino Kmart stores. He was charged under California's three-strikes law because of his criminal history concerning drugs and other burglaries. Because of his past criminal records, he was sentenced to 50 years in prison with no parole after this last burglary of Kmart. Although this sentencing was disputed by Erwin Chemerinsky, who represented Andrade as cruel and unusual punishment under the Eighth Amendment, the Supreme Court ruled in support for the life sentencing. In 1995, Sioux City, Iowa native Tommy Lee Farmer, a professional criminal who had served 43 years in prison for murder and armed robbery was the first person in the United States to be convicted under the federal three strikes law when he was sentenced to life in prison for an attempted robbery at an eastern Iowa convenience store. He was prosecuted by Stephen J. Rapp, a U.S. attorney appointed by Clinton. The sentencing was considered so significant that President Bill Clinton interrupted a vacation to make a press statement about it. Another example of the three strikes law involves Timothy L. Tyler who, in 1992 at age 24, was sentenced to life in prison without parole when his third conviction, a federal offense, triggered the federal three strikes law, even though his two prior convictions were not considered violent, and neither conviction resulted in any prison time served. Effects United States Analyzing the effect of the three strikes legislation as a means of deterrence and incapacitation, a 2004 study found that the three strikes law did not have a very significant effect on deterrence of crime, but also that this ineffectiveness may be due to the diminishing marginal returns associated with having pre-existing repeat offender laws in place. Another study found that arrest rates in California were up to 20% lower for the group of offenders convicted of two-strike eligible offenses, compared to those convicted of one-strike eligible offenses. The study concluded that the three-strikes policy was deterring recidivists from committing crimes. California has seen a reduction in criminal activity Stolzenberg and D'Alessio found that serious crime in California's 10 largest cities collectively had dropped 15% during the three-year post-intervention period. A study written by Robert Parker, director of the Presley Center for Crime and Justice Studies at UC Riverside, 
states that violent crime began falling almost two years before California's Three Strikes Law was enacted in 1994. The study argues that the decrease in crime is linked to lower alcohol consumption and lower rates of unemployment. A 2007 study from the Vera Institute of Justice in New York examined the effectiveness of incapacitation under all forms of sentencing. The study estimated that if U.S. incarceration rates were increased by 10 percent, the crime rate would decrease by at least 2 percent. However, this action would be extremely costly to implement. Another study found that three strikes laws discourage criminals from committing misdemeanors for fear of a life prison sentence. Although this deters crime and contributes to lower crime rates, the laws may possibly push previously convicted criminals to commit more serious offenses. The study's author argues that this is so because under such laws, felons realize that they could face a long jail sentence for their next crime, and therefore they have little to lose by committing serious crimes rather than minor offenses. Through these findings, the study weighs both the pros and cons for the law. A 2015 study found that three strikes laws were associated with a 33% increase in the risk of fatal assaults on law enforcement officers. Criticism Some criticisms of three strikes laws are that they clog the court system with defendants taking cases to trial in an attempt to avoid life sentences, and clog jails with defendants who must be detained while waiting for these trials because the likelihood of a life sentence makes them a flight risk. Life imprisonment is also an expensive correctional option, and potentially inefficient given that many prisoners serving these sentences are elderly and therefore both costly to provide health care services to and statistically at low risk of recidivism. Dependents of prisoners serving long sentences may also become burdensome on welfare services. Prosecutors have also sometimes evaded the three strikes laws by processing arrests as parole violations rather than new offenses, or by bringing misdemeanor charges when a felony charge would have been legally justified. Likewise, there is potential for witnesses to refuse to testify and juries to refuse to convict, if they want to keep a defendant from receiving a life sentence, this can introduce disparities in punishments, defeating the goal of treating third-time offenders uniformly. Three strikes laws have also been criticized for imposing disproportionate penalties and focusing too much on street crime rather than white-collar crime.